With my life, my everything My tears, they fall before you From what your love has done to me I see your yes to me in your nail pierced hand is more than words more than a song it's my life laid down there's action involved more than words more than a song it's my life laid down i will love you with my yes and with my obedience i will love you with my yes jesus Bye. 
miracle in the Bible is Jesus turning water into wine in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. But before Jesus could turn water into wine, he needed the water. So he asked the disciples to get him water, and they said yes. <laughs> it's an ordinary task, ordinary obedience. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they said yes. Sometimes a miracle is behind an act of ordinary obedience. Just saying yes, even in the small, even in things that we might think are insignificant. Jesus uses our yes to show people who he is, to show people that he is the son of God. I encourage you this morning to give Jesus your yes, even in the small, even in the things that seem like ordinary tasks, ordinary obedience. Just tell him yes. Say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to surrender for you. And it's my joy to lose my life and find it in Jesus Christ. I'll find it in Jesus Christ. And it's my joy to lose my life and find it in Jesus Christ. I'll find it in Jesus Christ. And it's my joy to lose my life and find it in Jesus Christ. No matter what that looks like, we'll find it in Jesus Christ. And you are in the 
Just you in the presence of God. Just keep letting that rise. Our God reigns. Forever your kingdom reigns. Let that just resonate in your spirit. That God is in control. He's above anything that you face. He's above whatever you've experienced this week. He is in control even in the moments where it feels like everything is out of control. He still reigns. He reigns above it all and he is always worthy of praise. He is for you. He is with you. And so can we just sing that out one more time? Can we just get that within us so that no matter what we face, we know that we have a God. He is living. He is alive. He is active. He is on the throne. He is for you. He is with you. Can we just sing that out together? Just one more time. closer to you and to knowing your heart more and to fulfilling the plans that you have for us. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You guys are awake just like the 9 a.m. It must be a good Sunday morning for y'all. Everyone have a good weekend. Everyone have a good day yesterday. I'm having a great day because Pastor James and I made a bet at the beginning of the college football season that if Oklahoma goes to the national championship, he's buying my ticket there. And so, so far, so good. And so every week he's sweating it out and just says, this is not fair. So... I'm loving life, though. Uh, Hey, we are in a series called Real Relationships, and it's been great because we've been exploring different relationships in the Bible and how it pertains to this idea of mentorship and and discipleship and and really just how we can grow one another uh, and really just pointing us to all that God has for us. And so this morning, we're actually going to look at uh, Samuel, and Samuel is an amazing prophet from the Bible, and uh, I've just enjoyed just spending time uh, with him this week and preparing for the message, and um, so I want to encourage you, we're just going to give a snapshot of uh, Samuel's life and experience, and so I want to encourage you uh, this week, go back and, and read First and Second Samuel, just really get uh, just the essence of this Old Testament 
uh, book in the Bible. And so, uh, but we're just going to start off uh, just a little background of Samuel. He was one of 15 judges in Israel. And really the judges existed before Israel had kings. Uh, and Samuel, by many accounts, was considered the best one. And, and really these judges were just people that were filled with God's spirit, uh, that really just testified of all that God wanted to do in and through the Israelites. And uh, Samuel's birth was actually a miracle in and of itself. Uh, his mom, Hannah, had been without a child for her entire life, and, and she really just carried the weight of that. And so she prayed to God. She said, God, if you give me a child, I will devote him to you. And so sure enough, uh, God performs this miracle, gives Hannah a child. Uh, his name is Samuel, and she, by the time he's old enough, she gives him over to the church and gives him to a man uh, named Eli, who was uh, at the church in Shiloh in Really cool thing is Samuel, Then I mean, uh, Eli takes Samuel uh, into his care and he disciples him and he trains him in the ways of the Lord and, and teaches him and grows him up. And, and so we actually, we're gonna pick up at this moment where now Samuel is about uh, 12 years old and uh, he is going to now encounter God himself for the very first time. And so we're gonna pick it up. If you want to pull out your phones, uh, whatever Bible app that you have, uh, if you wanna pull out your Bibles, we are gonna be in 1 Samuel chapter three. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, we are gonna have it up on the screen as well. Um, and so we're gonna read this text together. Again, starting in verse one, uh, chapter three. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel says, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. And so he went and lay down, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Man, what a first thing to hear by hearing from God for the first time. Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel, and he said, Samuel, my son, and he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? 
do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Now, Eli is in essence raised up by Samuel in the faith. Ever since a little boy, we basically see this discipleship relationship. Eli raising up young Samuel. But it's important to realize that while Eli is a spiritual father to Samuel, Eli also has two of his own physical sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And they are officiating priests in the temple, but they use that position to engage in illicit behavior and they abuse their role, which God is now saying they will now have to pay the consequence for. So imagine this for a second. You're 12-year-old Samuel, and the first thing that you hear from God is that you have to now give an account and basically say your house is going to be held, an account, uh, be held accountable for everything that they have done. And my response would have been much like Samuel's. I don't want to tell Eli that. Like that, nah. Can, can, we, can we get a different word for my first one? But I love Eli's response. See, Samuel tells him everything. And, and I think most of us would hear this hard news and, and we would reject it. Be like, what? I'm not, no. You're not going to tell me what's going to happen to my house. Like, who are you? are just a child. Like, what do you mean? But that's not what Eli does. See, Eli receives this very harsh word with humility because he sees the Lord in Samuel. And he knows deep down that it is true. And he says, let your will be done. See, it's in this exchange that we get a massive component. We get a, a vision of what true, real relationships have. They, it, it may be uncomfortable because it is, and there may be some misunderstanding, but the reality is real relationships have honesty and they have accountability. They speak truth. But the funny thing about truth is we live in a culture that likes to change what that definition is constantly. See, truth has now become this idea of, of whatever I feel or whatever I think or whatever best fits what I want or what I desire. But that's inaccurate. Because real truth comes from God. And Jesus tells us that he is the way and the truth and the life. So if your truth starts anywhere other than Jesus, then you're on the wrong train. And when we talk about this concept of accountability, to, to many that's giving someone else or something else control over my life, which again is inaccurate. A lack of accountability is just a form of pride and control and a stance that we always know what's best. And, and I'm sure we've witnessed how destructive habits can be with a lack of accountability. So why would we believe our lives are any different? You see, for Samuel, being a prophet was going to require him to speak truth and hold others accountable. It was a part of the job. Even when it wasn't popular. Even when it caused tension. And you see in this moment with Eli. It's just the, the first of many difficult conversations Samuel was going to have in his life. But Samuel learns very quickly that when the Lord speaks. You lean in. You listen. And then you obediently respond. Even if it's difficult. Because the truth that he leads you to share or the truth that he leads you to receive is vital. And what Eli's response shows us is that in real relationships, there's going to be some things that we don't want to hear, but need to hear. 
in that we will be held accountable for our actions or lack thereof. And it's better to be held accountable before the mistakes rather than be held accountable after the mistakes. And when we do receive correction, our response needs to be humility. And these were themes that were common in Samuel's life. And and we're going to draw what we can from some of these relationships so that we can make sure that we are rooted in truth and the leading of God with whom we are most held accountable to. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Samuel. We just pray that you will just bring it to life. Help us to see, Father, these these vital truths that we need within the context of our own relationships so that we can grow in our faith, grow in our understanding of you, and grow in becoming all that you have for us and experiencing that abundant life that you promised by walking in your ways and by seeking your heart. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think one of the most difficult conversations uh, or really, really one of the most difficult questions we'll ever hear in life is, does this make me look fat? There's no right response to that because I can either be honest and spend the night on the couch or I can tell a half truth and really then I'm just lying or I can just straight up lie altogether and then just have to carry around that guilt of what should I have done and Unfortunately, I put my wife in this position uh, over the pandemic because, I mean, sometimes some of us gained some weight during the pandemic. And, and instead of just letting the mirror tell us the truth or letting the scale tell us the truth, we decided to then put this weight on the person that we love. So I said, hey, after I down another bag of potato chips, am I looking a little fat to you? And she goes, you do look a little fluffy. So... So I'm like, you're not supposed, you're supposed to tell me I look like Thor and and I can walk around in that belief. But the fact is she was being honest. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes when we hear the truth, the truth hurts a little bit. See, sometimes it isn't comfortable, but it's necessary. And see, it was not comfortable for Samuel to tell Eli the truth, but it was necessary Because Eli had known what his sons were up to. He knew that they were not living like they should. And he was in denial about it. He didn't confront it. So then God has to confront it through Samuel. And therefore, his tolerance led to destruction. Yet, if he would have just confronted the truth and dealt with it earlier, it could have brought forth repentance and change. See, in our home, my wife and I, we really try to create this environment where we can be honest with each other. And we really even try to give the kids permission. Hey, if, if we're letting you down in a way or you feel like we're not acting as how God would have us, tell us. And so my kids and my wife are not afraid to tell me if I'm doing something that is hurting them or if they see me, you know what? I think God would not want you walking this way. And I can ignore it. But the truth is, what they're saying, if I humble myself and receive it, it's going to help me to grow. Does it feel good when they tell me that and point out those things? No. Do I really want to crawl in a hole sometimes? Yes. But then when I take it before the Lord and I actually pray about it and I see it in his light, man, it helps me become a better father. It helps me become a better husband. And so if we would just take this approach, then I wonder how many of our relationships would change. Because here's the deal. God tells us in Revelation that he reproves and disciplines those he loves. He he doesn't uh, 
reprove and discipline someone that he, he doesn't care for. Okay, just go sin. I, I really don't care. No, I want to correct you because I want all that I have for you. That's what God desires. He desires us to walk in the fullness of what he has for us. But how can we recognize that if we aren't really willing to receive this truth? And see, I want to look at another relationship that Samuel had where we can kind of explore this idea even further. See, one of the things that Samuel had to do is he had to appoint the first king of Israel. Israelites came to him and they were like, you know what? We want to be like every single other nation. They reject the fact that God is their king, that he consistently provides for them and leads them and rules over them lovingly and kindly. But instead, no, we want to be just like every other nation. We want our own king. And here's the deal. Samuel also had some sons, just like Eli, that weren't necessarily walking in the ways of the Lord. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that, that Samuel ignored it like Eli did. But the Israelites see this as an opportunity to say, we want a king. So God gives them a king, and that king is named Saul. So Samuel appoints Saul as king, and at first, Saul seems like a really humble guy, even to the point where he kind of hid when he was getting uh, anointed king in front of all the people. But then once he becomes king, he starts to get this, this power, th this pride, uh, this I know best, this I want control over my kingdom. And see, there was a battle in there was supposed to be a sacrifice that was made. Well, Samuel was the one that God had ordained to do that sacrifice. Well, Saul got impatient, and he decided, no, I'm just going to do the sacrifice myself. I'm tired of waiting for Samuel. And he does it. Big no-no. When God says to do something a certain way, you need to do it a certain way. And so then God says, okay, since you did a disobedient sacrifice, the next battle, I'm going to give you victory. But you need to sacrifice everything. Do not keep any, everything needs to be destroyed. So what happens? Saul, they defeat, and the Israelites defeat the enemy, but Saul keeps the best of the spoils for himself. And then God ends up rejecting Saul as king. And who has to give this hard truth to Saul? Samuel. Again, like I said, he had to deliver a lot of bad news and hold people accountable and what does this have to do with us then? A lot, actually. Because believe it or not, a lot of us are like Saul. We want control. Uh, we, we want control over every aspect of our lives. And, and we can be selfish. Uh, we can be impatient. Uh, we can reject accountability. And we can refuse to see the truth of ourselves. Because it was Samuel's responsibility to hold Saul accountable to God. And Saul ignores his warnings See, Samuel didn't come up with the instructions to Saul on his own. God wanted things done a certain way, but Saul did things his way. See, Samuel's own ideas and opinions of how things shouldn't be done was not this. This was God. This was God's direction. And all Samuel was trying to do was point Saul towards the will of God. And Saul rejected it. Now I want to pivot a little bit. Because after Saul, God removes his kingship. And then God wants to anoint another king, David. Samuel has to go and anoint this king as well. And so he does that, but after Samuel anoints David king, Samuel dies. But God raises up another prophet to speak into the life of a king, to lead another king towards truth, to lead another king in honesty, and to hold him accountable. 
And see, David's going to need that accountability because eventually, while he's a great king and pursues God, he makes a mistake, a rather big one. Many of you know the story. He has an affair with another man's wife, gets her pregnant, and then he sends that woman's husband to the front lines in battle where he is then murdered. And so he sent, God sends this prophet Nathan, who uh, David has developed a really good relationship with, and Nathan goes and he speaks to David this hard truth. Again, these accountability people coming to speak truth, coming to call out sin, coming to call out mistakes. And so Nathan tells him, but here's the difference. Whereas Saul rejected what Samuel was speaking and gives an empty apology because he isn't really sorry. He still wants control. David actually humbles himself, repents right there on the, sees his sin, sees who he is. And he ends up repenting and turning. So here we have Samuel holding Saul accountable, and we juxtapose that next to Nathan holding David accountable. And when we look at both of these stories, I believe that there's a lot that we can draw from to really help us to have great, real, authentic relationships full of honesty and accountability. The first thing that I want us to understand is we need to be seeking godly counsel. See, I believe the, one of the most important takeaways is that we need godly counsel in our lives. And Samuel's authority came from the fact that he served God above all else. And he openly sought his will. And he prayerfully sought his will. And he conveyed that will, not his own. He conveyed God's will to Eli, Saul, and the Israelites. And see, I think there are two areas where we go wrong with this. We can seek advice from the wrong people. Or we only surround ourselves with people that would tell us what we want to hear. See, Proverbs 15, Proverbs 12, 15 tells us the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. See, too often we get our counsel from sources that have no desire to point us to God. Now, I'm not saying we can't get good advice from people about business or about how to do something, but when it comes to speaking the truth of God and helping us to make decisions that will point us to God and walk in his will and walk in his truth, then I need to be seeking advice from someone that is seeking God themselves. Someone that is going to be praying for me, that is going, that I know is going to have a heart for God. See, I need someone that isn't just going to tell me what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. Because if all I do is surround myself with people that will tell me what I want to hear, then the truth is I don't really want advice. I don't really want accountability because I've already made up my mind. See, we need Samuels in our life that will hear from God and guide us to his truth. And we also need to be having honest conversations. See, Samuel was honest with both Eli and Saul. He didn't sugarcoat it. He, he didn't give half-truths, or he didn't bite his tongue when he needed to step up when God told him to. Nathan was honest with David. And these conversations, they were not easy, but they were necessary. And we have to get over this idea that confrontation is a bad thing. See, confrontation is a good thing. And listen to me when I say this. When it is done in the spirit. When God's leading. See, remember that revelation scripture. God reproves and disciplines those that he loves. So when we feel God leading us, we have to have the courage to have those difficult conversations. Because truth is powerful. And in order to have real relationships Truth must be present. Just as James 5.16 tells us, confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail. When we let honesty dwell, whether it be speaking the truth to one another or receiving accountability, we are inviting the Holy Spirit into that moment. And God dwells with truth. So when we bring something into the light through honest conversation, we are, in essence, inviting him to speak to it, to to bring guidance and to bring healing. And that is the formula for true growth. And again, it helps us to become more like him, which is our ultimate goal and what the best relationships help us to achieve. Accountability also brings freedom. And many of us approach accountability like we're just going to have somebody judging us, like they're just going to be watching our every move, and, and they're just going to be pointing out everything in our life and taking away control. And, and see, Samuel's role was never to take freedom away from Saul, but rather to point him towards God's truth and commands so that his reign would flourish, so that he would have God's anointing and God's blessing. And we should all want that for our lives as well. But if we're honest, we kind of want to be like Saul. We want to keep complete control over our lives and do what we want. But without accountability, we leave ourselves open to being controlled by all of the wrong things. I'll repeat that again. Without accountability, we will leave ourselves open to being controlled by all of the wrong things. See, Saul may have thought that he was in control, but greed controlled him, power controlled him, fear and insecurity controlled him. And you see, without accountability, the road gets wider, the slope gets a lot more slippery, and the possibility of wandering away from God's will gets a lot greater because we were made to do life together in community, in real relationships. Because you will have people that can lift you up, that can help you get to where you want to be and where you need to be. And where you will find the fullness of freedom in Christ. Not in the bondage that can so easily entangle someone that goes at it alone. See, Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Man, if Saul would have just humbled himself, I wonder how different things could have been. You see, that's what I appreciate at least about Eli's response. See, when the one who was discipling him, when the one who he was discipling confronted him and spoke the truth, Eli responded in humility. The consequence remained the same for Eli, but he didn't set more fires in the process. Where Saul, he let control take over and greed control and power control him. So I just love how how Eli responded. Saul would have just humbled himself. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do. Humble yourself. Because pride will hinder you. But humility will grow you. And James 4, 6 tells us, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. See, I think sometimes one of the biggest reasons uh, that we can't receive someone pointing out anything negative or, or questionable within us is that we're either insecure or we have this arrogance about us, both of which are just forms of pride. See, society has fed the notion, live your truth, reject all negativity. Uh, everyone that points out anything negative, just, just cut them off. They're just a hater. Anyone that questions you is just rude, judgmental, negative, unfollow them, cut them out. And while we have established that, it, we don't want the wrong voices speaking into our lives. 
But when it comes to the God-fearing people that we've built trust with, uh, that have demonstrated that they have our best interests at heart, that they've demonstrated that they want to point us towards God's will, we need to be slower to speak and cut off and quicker to listen and ponder what they have to say. Now, I'm not saying receive everything spoken over you. But what I am saying is take the trusted relationships that you've built where you know that they are seeking God and you filter that through your own reflection and prayer with God and then respond as he leads. But one of the key areas there is trusted relationships. You see, hard conversations thrive in relationship where trust is built. See, Samuel had a relationship with Eli and Saul. Where, where trust was built. They weren't just acquaintances or, or Facebook friends. There was a relationship. There was trust. The, there was a, an authority established, and, and this ability to speak the truth was established. Same with Nathan and David. They had built an intimacy. They had built a closeness where, where Nathan had demonstrated to David that he was seeking God and heard from God. There was a respect and a closeness that gave weight and permission to what he said. See, Samuel and Nathan had built that trust. And so they had the ability to call out the things that needed to change. Accountability and speaking the hard truth is not a pass to judge everyone and give your opinion. These hard conversations only happen in relationship where trust has been built. Now, that's not to say that God's not going to call you at times to, to speak the truth and when, you're, when he's led you to do so. But within this context, within relationships, trust is an important ingredient. But that does bring up a good point. We need to be led by God, not opinion. See, it can be easy for us to have an opinion or, or have a judgment about someone or a situation and believe that our opinions and our judgments are right. Because it's how we feel, it's how we perceive something, it's what we think. And, and this is where it's crucial to be led by the Holy Spirit in both giving and receiving a thought or correction. Because in all the instances that we've shared, Samuel was led by God to correct, Nathan was led by God to correct. And, and there was, from that respect and that closeness, but listen, we too need to be led by God because we can actually bring destruction if we are not. See, Samuel himself was even guilty of this at times. When Samuel had to go and anoint David to be king, Samuel actually did not think David was going to be king. He actually looked at all the other brothers. David did not fit the mold that Samuel thought a king should have. Why? Based off his opinion. And just as God tells Samuel in that moment, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart our opinions and our judgments can so often be deceptive and they can blind us to what God wants or what God is doing in a person or a situation. See, we can be so swayed by emotions or, or quick judgments, so we have to make sure that we are being led by God by prayerfully seeking him in his heart, praying for him to give us his sight and his discernment. Because if we aren't careful, we can actually tear down instead of build up. Because when we speak the truth, we are called to speak the truth to build up, not to tear down. Our motives for sharing the truth, pointing out sin, uh, challenging someone in a situation, should never be to tear down. It should always be to build that person up in the faith. To bring, love, to bring life and love through loving correction. 
It should never be belittling or vindictive or cast judgment. Instead, it should lovingly correct in order to enlighten, build up, restore, encourage, transform. So that they can experience the fullness of what God wants for all of his children. See, 1 Thessalonians tells us to encourage one another and build one another up. Galatians 6 tells us that if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Accountability and truth are meant to lift someone out of the hole, not push them further into it. It is always the heart of God for his people to be restored to him and to experience the fullness of him. It's not our job to judge someone. It's our job to lead others to the feet of Christ. And that should be evident in the way we speak to others and the way we deliver truth to others. Now, accountability and sharing can be sticky. It shouldn't be that way, but we are fallible humans. But good thing that we serve an infallible God. That as we walk in truth, as we walk in love, we demonstrate him and he's able to move. Why? Because he is truth and love. But here's the thing. Our obedience doesn't always mean that the outcome will be pretty. See, Samuel did the right thing when he spoke to Saul. But instead of leading Saul back to Christ, and to, back to God and to repentance, Saul went on a rampage just going further downhill. And while Eli and David responded humbly, they still both had to face consequences of their sin. And the truth is, it, the truth is not always easy, but it is always right. The truth is not always easy, but it is always right. And sometimes when we obey and we speak the truth, it can be like hitting a hornet's nest with a baseball bat Trust me, I've done it. It is crazy. But just as Samuel told Saul, our obedience to the will of God is better than any sacrifice. Our obedience to God cannot be contingent upon how someone else is going to perceive it, how someone else is going to react to it, or fear of the consequences or the reactions. If God is leading us to share truth, that needs to be the influence, not fear. See, if we're fearing the consequence or we're fearing the reaction, we're allowing the fear to control us instead of the truth that God is leading us to share. Because here's the deal. When we share something that God is leading us to do, we can free somebody. We can point somebody on the right path. But if my fear helps me to remain timid, then I could actually be withholding a, a victory that God wants to give someone, a deliverance that God wants to give someone. When we respond to the nudges and to the hard conversations, even if it's faced with criticism and backlash, we are loving God with our yes. We are loving others by sharing truth in hopes that they draw closer to God. Not out of judgment or condemnation, but out of love and encouragement in order to bring restoration in life. So the question for us today is how are we going to handle truth and accountability? Because if we want real relationships, if we want the fullness of all that God has for us and what he desires our relationships to be, then accountability and truth has to be present. Are we willing to do what it takes? Are we willing to have the hard conversations? 
Are, are we willing to, to let truth and light reside? Because here's the deal. Where intimacy happens is we are allowing truth and accountability to be there. And when we bring light and we bring truth, that's where God is. And we serve the God of truth. So where truth is, God is. Where accountability exists means humility exists. And the scripture says God gives ear to the humble. See, I want us to grow. God wants us to grow. And you could be the truth that someone needs to hear. Or someone could be that for you. See, we need to, to not reject the truth like Saul did just because we want more control over our life. No, we need to surrender our life and our will over to God because there is nothing greater than his will. The creator made you for a purpose. He has plans for you. And who better to know those plans than the one that created you and made you in the first place? Trust in the growing process and, and trust in allowing those trusted voices to speak into your life, to hold you accountable because those are going to be the ones that help you along this journey, that point you back to God, to keep you on that path when the world tries to so easily pull you every which way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. And yes, the truth is difficult sometimes. We actually thank you for your conviction, Father, because when you convict us of our wrongdoing and the things that we are lacking and where we fall short, God, you are actually pointing us back to you. You're actually demonstrating us that, that you are for us, that you are with us, that you want to guide us back so we can experience the fullness of the life that you want us to experience. And so, God, I pray for every single person under my voice today, God, that they would be honest with themselves, that they would be honest with others. Man, how amazing if we as your church would just rise up and that we would truly allow each other to, to be on all of the, be witnesses to all the mess, to all the stuff, all the struggles. Because when things are brought into the light, that means you can move, that means you can speak. And your word says, confess your sins and faults to one another so that, that you may be healed. And so I just pray that we would practice that. That we wouldn't fear that, God, but that we would know that you are in the midst of that because you are a God of truth. And where truth is, you are in the midst. And so I just pray, Father, that we would humble ourselves. That we would not control our lives with such a tight grip like Saul, Father. But that we would humble ourselves and respond to your leading to your voice, God. God, show us a Samuel in our life that can speak to us and, and hold us accountable and be someone praying for us and, and, and pointing us to you. And I also want to, to pray for the person here that hasn't even accepted Christ is their savior. You know what? You haven't even made that step to, of surrender, of giving your life over. And so I want to give you that time right now to say, Jesus, I want to be honest before you. I see myself. I am a sinner. And just repeat this prayer. I am a sinner, God. Forgive me, Jesus. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins and that your shed blood now covers all of my sins and I believe that you rose again three days later 
and that I am now raised to life with you for all of eternity. And if you prayed that prayer, if you're online, just just let the, the chat host know that you prayed that prayer so that we can make sure that someone comes alongside you to be a Samuel to help walk you through the next steps. And same thing, if, if you prayed that prayer here in the auditorium, with pastors out in the lobby, or, or just text SF Connect to 94,000 and let someone know that you prayed that prayer so that we can surround you, so that we can be that encourager, that, that leader pointing you to God and all that he has for your life. God, thank you for all that you've done here this morning. God, our hearts are open to you. We don't want to leave these moments and just go back to the way things were. We want to walk out of here seeking you more, God. Loving you with our yes and our obedience to whatever it is you have spoken to us here this morning about. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before I let you guys leave, there's one challenge I want to give you this week. I want you to find one person that you know that you can trust that you know will pray for you, that you know will point you to God's will. And I want you to go with them. And it might be hard, but I want you to go to them and I want you to give them permission to speak into your life. To say, hey, is there anything in my life that you feel like might be keeping me from walking in the fullness that God has for me? Or something that maybe I need to take to prayer and allow God to speak to. It might be hard. You might not like what you hear. But respond to it with humility. Take it before the Lord. Pray about it and see how God wants to move through it and really just perfect us and bring us closer to who he's created us to be. We love you guys. We're praying for you. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.